Welcome to Awake, the bugle call, Reveille. It's the U.S. Army's call to wake up, get ready to face the day, and to prepare for battle. God's clarion call is in Ephesians 5.14. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This call is to Christians who are spiritually asleep and therefore resemble the spiritually dead. The call is to wake up and receive light or revelation from God. The purpose and goal of Awake is to equip you to be an overcomer in the last days, the time immediately prior to the return of Jesus for his church. Ephesians 6, 16-17 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now here is Bill Backaby with a faith lesson for you from the Word of God. Today I want to talk about something very close to the heart of God. I'm going to discuss marriage and sexuality. Our text scriptures are from Genesis. Genesis 1.28 Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 2.24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let's start by examining the heart of God. 1 John 4.8 he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God has many characteristics, but I believe the dominating one is love. As a person motivated by love, God requires an object upon which to pour out his love. Similarly, God desires that the object of his love reciprocate by loving him in return. The consuming love of God was the motivation for the creation. When we study the Bible, we can find no limitations on the abilities or capabilities of God, with the exception that he is good and not evil. Again, going back to the beginning, Genesis 1, 26-28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, created mankind. God gave mankind God-like powers, the power of articulate speech that could change things and set things in motion that could express authority and demand obedience. He gave mankind the power to reproduce, to procreate other men, and he gave to mankind the authority to rule the earth and all creatures in it. He made them 
male and female, creating the man first out of the dust of the earth and then making the woman Eve out of a rib from Adam. Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Genesis 2.21 and 22, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Again, it says that God took a rib from Adam to make the woman. Actually, in the Hebrew, it says God took a chamber, a compartment that contained all the feminine characteristics, traits, emotions, and motivations that were placed in Adam when he was created. Those characteristics, traits, emotions, and motivations became the core of the woman. Therefore, when a feminist tells a man to get in touch with his inner female, he doesn't have one. Now let's talk about marriage. Genesis 2, verses 23 to 24. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's a lot in these two verses. First, because he had been whole before Eve was created, he, Adam, knew that something was missing. He knew that he was incomplete. She is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Adam realized that without Eve, he was missing something. He was not what he used to be, nor what he needed to be. So in verse 24, the implication is that God instituted marriage by cleaving together, by being, that means being stuck together permanently of the man and the woman, and the two of them leaving behind the parental supervision of their fathers and mothers to institute their own family. The union of the male and female together has purpose. One purpose for marriage is to make a complete person with the wife supplying those traits, characteristics, abilities, and strengths that are missing from the man, and vice versa, with the husband supplying what is missing from the woman. A godly couple walking with God is hard to defeat. Ecclesiastes 4.12 Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The main purpose of the marriage was to procreate, to multiply the human population, to help to satisfy God's need for objects for his love and his affection. Genesis 1.28, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Marriage was created as a blood covenant relationship. We'll talk about blood covenants in a future teaching. A blood covenant is a permanent relationship dissolvable only by death, and the penalty for violating the blood covenant is death to the person who breaks the covenant.
Marriage is the most difficult of human relationships, and I believe that God intended it to be that way. Proverbs 27, verse 17, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. This verse says that an intimate relationship results in one person filing down the rough spots in his friend's life and vice versa. I believe that one of God's purposes in life is to remove some of the roughness of our individual personalities, to refine us, to file us down. Therefore, if sometimes the marriage relationship is painful, understand that God intended for us to be changed by marriage. Note, I'm ta not talking about spousal abuse. That's not God's intent or will. As several persons have told me, God has entrusted me with his daughter. You get in big trouble when you abuse the king's daughter. But God wanted a godly seed. A major purpose of marriage is to create a godly seed. Malachi 4, verses 14 to 16. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. In this passage of scripture, God is expressing his disgust with the nation of Israel because the men have been treating the marriage covenant lightly and divorcing their wives. God says that he hates divorce. Why? Because he desires a godly offspring. The King James Version says a godly seed. God wants the kids raised in an atmosphere where the family recognizes him, the creator, and submits to his will and raises the kids to honor and obey his tenants for their lives. The husband and wife each have a distinct role to play in the raising of their children. The man should impart strength, honor, and survival skills such as hunting, farming, or other income-producing skills. The woman should nurture affection, tenderness, compassion, and mercy. Obviously, these are not complete lists, but both parents should exhibit and nurture love for God, obedience to God, and worship of God, as well as love for others. Some persons could interpret this to mean that God just wants a bunch of simple-minded people to be sheepishly devoted to him. Ah, contraire. Actually, the Father knows what's best. Father God knows the ways and the paths that lead to the most successful and satisfying life, both now and in the age to come. Jesus reduced the Ten Commandments. The Jews observed the Ten Commandments and 613 rabbinical laws, as well as th 
thousands of applications to those laws, to two laws, just two, only two laws that Christians have to obey and conform to. Mark 12, verses 29 to 31. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it, is this, Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now let's talk about sexuality. God invented sexuality, or what we call sex, as the way for human beings to reproduce. He commanded mankind to be fruitful and multiply. Since the sex act is a necessary precursor to reproduction, the sex act itself cannot be sinful or dirty in and of itself. There is a scripture that, through misinterpretation, seems to imply that sex is sinful. Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. If you listened to Awake, episode number one, you will remember that because of Adam and Eve's sin, all mankind became sinners, or as I prefer to say, separated or alienated from God. Everyone is born into that sin or separated state. The act of procreation is basically obedience to God's command to be fruitful and multiply. It is not sinful in and of itself. However, God's intention was that the process of reproduction, that is the sex act, take place within the blood covenant relationship of marriage. Why? For at least two reasons. First, because as we discussed earlier, God desired a godly seed. In other words, that the children be raised by a father and a mother who honored and worshiped God and would teach the children to do so also. Secondly, God did not want the woman to be abandoned to her own resources. He intended that she would be defended, provided for, and loved by her husband. Not only is sex not evil in itself, but God made it pleasurable. More sex ultimately means more children, and sex in marriage sweetens the marriage relationship. God wants lots of kids. How many? I don't know. But the number that he desires is in the billions. Satan, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, old slewfoot, knows that God desires a large family, and he, Satan, has devised strategies to deprive God of his children. Let's talk about some of Satan's strategies. First, free love. Since the beginning, Satan has promoted sexual relationships outside the marriage covenant. Why? To deprive the offspring of a godly environment, a God-fearing father and a God-fearing mother. As an aside, We see this manifested in our United States society today, where what we now call the wokes, the liberals, have destroyed many of the young black males by making it more profitable 
to the mothers to raise their children in a fatherless society. This makes Satan laugh with glee. In the Old Testament, Satan motivated parents to offer their children as burnt offerings to false gods. The babies were placed in the red-hot arms of brazen idols. They beat drums while the children screamed as they died. Today we see the same sacrifice made to the goddesses of free sex. We call it abortion. This is all a plan of Satan to deprive God of his desire, a godly offspring. Worldwide, the number of abortions has well exceeded 100 million children. Please note that I said children. It is a baby in the womb, not a mass of protoplasm, but a living being created to be one of God's children. Also note that the Chinese have gotten it right about conception. They say a baby is nine months old at birth. Life begins at the moment of conception. The good news is that the sacrificed babies, the aborted babies, seem to get a pass from God to enter heaven. Scripture seems to imply that children who die before the age of accountability enter heaven. However, I don't believe that they enter heaven on the same level or status as born-again Christians. You see that God desires that his children choose him of their own free will. Human sacrifices and aborted babies have never had an opportunity to make that choice. I talked about the age of accountability. Nobody knows for sure what it is, but I would imagine that it is somewhere around the age when Jewish boys make bar mitzvah, age 13. At that point in time, they become a man and are accountable for their lives. Again, as I've stated, free love and the resulting abortions are a scheme of Satan to deprive God of his children. Now let's talk about another ploy of the devil, homosexuality. Homosexuality seems to provide sexual gratification to those who practice it, but it is a misuse of the sexual drives because it doesn't produce fruit. There are no children conceived from homosexual act. For this reason, God hates it. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, not thieves, not covetous, not drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That scripture is pretty plain, and it could scare a lot of us because of the list of things that can keep a person from heaven, from receiving eternal life. I realize that many people have had their sexual proclivities, their sexual orientation changed against their will because they were sexually abused, creating both physical and mental impairment to godly sexuality. But there is, there remains some good news, actually great, wonderful news. 1 Corinthians 6.11, and such were some of you. But you were washed, 
you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The operative words in these scriptures are, but such were some of you, were. That means you can be changed, you can be set free. I was a drunkard, that is, I was addicted to alcohol, but Jesus set me free. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, but God, God, Jesus, set her free. Whatever your addiction, whatever form of bondage you are in, Jesus came to set you free. There's one more. There's another variation of this satanic scheme. It's called celibacy. A large denomination has used this ploy unwittingly to take the best and the brightest of both men and women out of the reproduction chain by having them take vows of celibacy and chastity so that they can serve God. It is true that the Apostle Paul said that for some people celibacy might help them to serve God better. However, he went on to say that if they were subject to strong sexual desires, they should probably get married. 1 Corinthians 7 verses 7 to 9 For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this matter and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. God said it was his, that is Paul's opinion, not God's, that a minister would be more productive single without the care of a wife, but that if he or she had strong sexual desires, they should get married. Celibacy was not a commandment from God. It is not a commandment from God. The body of Christ has been robbed of many productive lives because of this misinterpretation. However, that particular denomination has been racked with sexual scandal because many of the so-called celibates have been drawn into homosexuality and child abuse situations because of their unfulfilled sexual desires. Yet another strategy of Satan is the gender change debate and associated sex change surgery. God created only two genders, just two, male and female, and he got it right. To brainwash young children into sex change operations is worse than stupid. It's criminal. It's satanic. It's another scheme of the devil to remove persons from the reproduction process and hinder and delay the fulfillment of God's desire for a very large family. I knew two men who had sex change surgery. After they came to know God and his plan for their lives, they realized how they had been hurt and what had been stolen from them by this foolish philosophy. Do everything you can to protect your children from this ungodly doctrine and its criminal surgical procedures. Bottom line, God invented and desires godly, that is, Christian marriages that will produce a godly seed. God wants a huge family that will love him and worship him, a family that he can saturate with his love 
and his provision both now and in this life and throughout eternity. John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. God wants to bless you. Jesus asked in Luke 18.8, When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Friend, if you are not sure if you are saved, you can be sure. You can change or ensure your eternal destiny by repenting. That means turning toward God and declaring it with your mouth. Just pray along with me. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He was crucified for my transgressions. He was buried, and God raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed this from your heart, your eternal destiny is in heaven. Awake is an outreach of Bill Backaby Ministries and the Word of Grace Church, a 501c3 organization. Again, our goal here at Awake is to help ensure that Jesus will find faith on the earth when he returns. Help us by telling your friends and relatives and neighbors, saved and unsaved, to join us on Awake.